Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Andrew Spay. This is FRL. I'm filling in for Mr. Christian Piles. He is enjoying some quality time in the Shenandoah Valley, almost heaven. Uh, but we are joined in the studio with the regular gang. To my right is Daniel Lobdell, the young wrestling nomad. And in the back is Kyle Bradkey with the Eagle of Freedom and uh, the support of friend of the show, Casey Kreider and the Denver Broncos. And then joining us from Easton live via satellite, the most exclusive technology available right now, it's Willie Saylor. And we got a lot to talk about because a lot of these guys all just came back from Iowa City and a, I would say, uh, extremely thrilling, very fun, who's number one. So Willie, what do you got to say about that awesome event? It was good. It was a lot, a lot of nerves uh, went into it. I about had a nervous breakdown the day of. Uh-oh. Um, well, I mean, there was... I don't know. I, I wanted to try something new with those... I wanted to try uh, those walkouts, the tunnel shots of the kids coming out, but... Um, I, like, personnel-wise, we're like, okay, you do this, you do that. And it was... I don't know. We kept changing roles at the last few moments, and uh, I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be back. Because, you, you know, usually I do the on-mat interviews... Right and uh, and I like doing them, but I wanted to tunnel things to go right. And I thought, man, I talked uh, I talked production into doing it, so I might as well stay back there and just own it. You know what I mean? And uh, and I did, but it I was super nervous, like right before. But all all's well that ends well, and I think it ended well. Um, the wrestling was great. I thought the crowd was I thought the crowd was really great. Although they told me. They told us that the final number was twenty five hundred fans, which I don't, I don't believe that. It looked bigger and it sounded. I mean, just watching the broadcast at home, um, when uh, when when Jesse Ibarra and all the future Hawkeyes went out there, you could hear it coming through. I mean, even if it was that little, like kudos to those guys for making all that noise because they were they were pumped for for the wrestling. I mean, 
everybody there was telling me that it was more than that. Right, Morningstar told me it was more than that. More than that. Um, and really, it's it's sort of vanity in wanting the the number to be bigger. That right. the The fact of the matter is, the crowd was there. The crowd was good, and um, I would like. You know, when you have a when you have an event in that big of an arena, um, you just want it to not be embarrassingly empty. And uh, it was that it was not close to that at all. It was it was good. Well, it also what do you think, Nomad? Was like a thousand more people that have ever watched Who's Number One live, correct? Most most well attended Who's Number One in history, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Well, if it's twenty five hundred, it's you know, it's bigger than any who's number one or the attendance before, but I think, I mean, that's the, that's the low end of the nut, right? 2,500. Yeah. I think there was, I think there was 35. <clears throat> Most people told me like, it looked like four, 4,000. The, so. the same undercounting kind of idea happened when <laughs> Iowa wrestled outdoors against Oklahoma state in the football stadium. The, the announced attendance was yeah. like 45, but it sure looked like at least, I don't know, three quarters of that stadium was filled up. And that's, yeah. a, I don't know, 80 something per thousand person stadium, 90. Yeah. Uh, the thing there was that I heard from people who were there that day that after 15 seconds, the, the ticket counters were basically overwhelmed and people were just <laughs> going in. Right, because you don't staff it up like no. you would a football game because you're not expecting a, an actual full stadium. Right. Meanwhile, a relatively large amount of people, even as compared to a football game, showed up and supposedly a lot of, a lot of people got a free wrestling match that day. Yeah, which I say, yeah. yep. let them enjoy. But, yeah, I agree, Will, regardless, the crowd showed up and and was loud and supportive and uh, looked good watching it. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I would not have guessed that number just from eyeballing it at home. Yeah, and, you know, we do a, we do a lot of stuff on Friday with the kids as far as the press conference and gear and running around town and, and – uh, um, going to dinner and stuff, and Iowa City was way groovier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little podunk college town, and it was it was cool. I liked it a lot. It was so groovy that last time Nomad was there, he decided to climb a building. That is true. Last <laughs> yeah. time I was in Iowa we City, I climbed a building. And incorrectly we that very identified... <laughs> he also incorrectly identified a Chicago accent. Yeah, you were way off. Yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a. I, I enjoyed when we were there through the final X uh, road trip two years ago. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was a pretty chill town. Uh, you could definitely, you know, find whatever you're kind of looking for in in that college town. Yeah, so, I like Iowa City. To the wrestling, we opened up wrestling. at one thirty-two, and by the way, <clears throat> like. I didn't watch very much wrestling during Who's Number One because I was back in the tunnel. But like, I would hear the roar that that first exchange with Mendez and Jack, and Mendez goes up early and Jack comes back, and there's that final exchange. And I'm just thinking to myself, "Dear Lord, first match of the night is going to be controversial." And um, I think they got it right. Ultimately, I think ultimately. Um, and Christian said on Twitter, you know, that that's that's difficult to call. It's going to be difficult to call every time. You're not going to stop seeing the same situation. I reward the attacker in my opinion. Reward the attacker cuz yeah. 
What else are you going to do? Yeah, That's a good rule of thumb. Ty goes to the runner. Ty goes to the attacker. I think uh, in general, though, you know, we've experienced this before. Like, I think back to 2017 when Malik Hinesman and Kurt McHenry had one of my favorite all-time who's number one matches. And when the first match, guys come out and they're putting up points and, you know, there's a controversial ending and guys are getting into it, it just kind of sets the tone for the entire event. And I think that kind of, you know, speaks to Willie kind of racks his brain, spends a lot of time thinking about the match order and how the, the card should go and kind of the flow of the event. And obviously it makes sense to start with the four-man because you want to give the kids time to, since they're the, one, the only ones who are going to have to wrestle a second match. But when Ryan Jack and Jesse Mendez come out and they're flinging points on the board, then it says mm-hmm. it sends a message to the rest of the kids like all right i guess we're scrapping tonight mm-hmm. and beyond that kind of you know it's funny when willie asked me about the crowd because once the event started i was in the back the whole time uh there was a, a room off of the the ramp where the guys entered where willie was talking about those entrance shots said that he was uh you know really trying to get perfect and the plan was to have the kids that were on deck come down and just kind of hang out there but after Willie did the walkthroughs, you know, we thought the kids were all going to go back up in the wrestling room and, you know, work out and warm up. But Richie Figs <laughs> wanted to just stay down there. And because Richie Figs stayed down there, then other kids kind of started floating down there. And by the time the first match ended, there was probably, between kids and coaches, 20 people in this hospitality room. Uh, and we had the stream on, and everybody's getting into it, right, saying that's that's two jackets, two Mendez, that's two and two. And so, and then up in the wrestling room, uh, I don't know how many of you guys have been in the in the wrestling room in, in uh, Carver Hawkeye, but they have TVs, right? And so they have bleachers and they have TVs. So there's all the kids down there in the green room watching it. There's all the people upstairs in the wrestling room watching it. And everybody got into it. And so not only did it kind of set the tone in terms of what they need to do, everyone was able to watch it and got into it. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Because, you know, a lot of people said afterwards, it was like, Man, Willie, great show, great show. And I said, I said, well, the kids let it f- let it fly. I mean, that's what made it great, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I didn't really even think about that. No, no, man, that's a good point. When the guys start throwing out points in the first match of the night, and it comes down to the wire, and all the kids were watching in that green room, so to speak, and then upstairs in the room, and it set the tone for everybody, I guess. Um, for the wrestlers and for the crowd. Uh, but that that is something when I first determined I'm like, okay, I hate to ask Nomad to be back in the in the thing. Nomad, would you mind doing post match interviews? Which means Nomad has to like basically not watch wrestling and stay back in the tunnels. And then even myself, I was like, all right, I'm guess I'm not gonna watch any wrestling tonight. I'm gonna be back in the tunnels with these guys. I was sort of bummed about it at first. And after about one or two matches, I was like, this is where it's at. Back here. Watch it. I can always go back and watch the match. I can always go back and watch the match. But I can never, like, relive what's I'm witnessing back there. The kids, their focus, their attitude, the coaches, how they deal with coaches, their um, just the things they say and the things they do. Right, Nomad? That was, it was pretty darn neat. Yeah, that was to me the, you know, I've been to three or four who's number ones now. Well, actually, I, I guess more than that before I worked at Flow. But 
the the experience there of, of having a room like that and just the the constant rotation of people and you know the Blair guys coming in and out depending upon you know if Shane's up or Trevor's up or Travis is up and then when they are up you know they're on the mat watching then they come back in and they're hanging out and seeing the the relationships of the various kids right like somebody comes back gets a big win and you know one of their friends daps them up like a 52 dapping up a 38 or whatever guys that you didn't know that they were buddies or guys that kind of developed a relationship that weekend that maybe they're warming up together and they were they were you know hyping each other up um yeah that that's going to be something that's uh like you said well it's it's something that we can't relive and something that i'm i'm going to remember and i hope that going forward all, all future who's number ones we, we have uh, an area like that where these kids yeah. and these coaches can experience it in that unique way now that's what I call yeah. wrestling fellowship. That's wrestling fellowship <laughs> at its finest, I tell you. Yeah, you're right, no man. I mean, whether we go back to Iowa or wherever, I don't know. The concept we should keep the same, where that atmosphere. Yes. And it was sort of a sort of a fail by us, but we didn't really know that it was going to go that way. But next time, for sure, we need to capture those moments. You know. Yeah, uh, get some we need to picks, have a guy camera. Yeah. Uh, so, but we didn't we didn't really know it was going to happen like that. Well, Nomad um, kept putting in like our chat that like, wow, this is amazing. This is the coolest place ever, and then filling in no details and giving us no glimpses <laughs> behind the curtain, right. even stuff that if you didn't, I don't know, if the guys didn't know they were on camera, you didn't want to put it out on like like public consumption. But you know, this is kind of the first time we're actually getting the the full picture. It's uh, it's the most Nomad thing ever. He does yeah. it in the chat all the time. It's a real. He'll no say man. something like crazy cliffhanger in the chat, and then we'll be like, "What do you mean?" Disappear. And then he'll just won't oh, come back in the chat for five hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah nomad. Uh, classic nomad. So, Mendez wins on a late uh, and 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 a call that went to review, and then thirty-two Van Ness beats Serrano. Serrano was up at the break. Um, and then Shane Van Ness does what Shane Van Ness does and comes back late. And it's something we would see later on in the night. Um, Figs over Poolin, rather controlled match there. I don't have these matches in order on the sheet, but what was next? Um, well, Ibarra Burks was the third match. Ibarra. And yep. that one was was low scoring, right? But there were some good exchanges. And those two have wrestled before. They'd wrestled in, in freestyle in the Akron semis, and Ibarra ended up winning again. So, uh, Jukason, you know, second appearance at, at who's number one, and his coach, uh, Zach Dominguez, was there. And I'm actually wearing the MWC shirt, uh, sweatshirt here. So, uh, shout out to Zach Dominguez for being one of our coaches again. But I knew that match. I knew that match was going to be low scoring. Well, it's dang near impossible to get to Jesse Ibarra's legs. Every match he wrestles, there's basically no takedowns. Uh, and then Jacason is somebody who, um, you know, both with his Greco background, with uh, his athleticism, kind of just the way he, he wrestles, he's another one that's really hard to score on because uh, he can kind of get himself out of positions pretty easily, especially in folk style. But then when the match ended, to the point about the crowd, the the crowd went nuts, right? They supported yeah. the future yeah. Hawkeye. And then, you know, this also happened with Patrick Kennedy later on, but some of the Hawkeyes came back and, you know, Spencer Lee was, was talking to Jesse and, and saying he's proud of him and excited to be his teammate. So, 
Uh, that that was another thing that was cool about the the green room and just the, the event in general was seeing the Hawkeyes very clearly support the event, support their guys, and uh, whether it was the crowd or the actual team itself. It was uh, it was interesting to me that um, the whole team was there. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole the whole Hawkeye team was there watching. Um, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know, you know, maybe they're interested, maybe they're not. But like the whole team was there, um, and the the Hawkeye wrestling clubs, um, all the girls were there. You know, I I didn't see, I didn't see Sammy Brooks, but I bet you he was there too. He's in. Isn't he in Dagestan right now? Well, he was there practicing and stuff like Thursday and Friday. Mm. I don't know. But, but I think um, that was, I mean, that whole group went. There, there's a whole group. Yeah. Well, all the Hawkeyes were there watching. It was pretty cool. Um, hey, shouldn't uh, shouldn't we shout out to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club for uh, buying up and then donating a whole bunch of tickets? Oh, yeah. I mean, that that's a that's a cool thing that, uh, you know, a, a event like Who's Number One uh feeds off that kind of support and that really makes it a better event and having kids that otherwise wouldn't go or wouldn't know about it and they reached out to local clubs and youth clubs and helped pack those stands with uh, some deserving spectators yeah it's always cool when you get the you have a big event in, in an area and kind of uh funneling some of those tickets to to the youth wrestlers and, and giving them an opportunity because you know all the kids that are in who's number one grew up watching who's number one Right, and so given the given the local kids in that area that same opportunity, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of guys. That, there's there's people in Iowa that do really good stuff. Uh, guy that runs uh, Wrestling for Life, it, and it's a project that just donates gear and tickets to kids. He's from Iowa, so uh, up the road, not in Iowa City, but from up the road. There's, there's a lot of good people and I were doing that stuff. You know, the message board said the message board said that they, sh- that we should have advertised more locally. Um, that, that there wasn't much presence around town, like hardcore, hardcore fans knew about it. Super fans knew about it, but, uh, we would have got a lot more people there. They said if we had, ads in newspapers and billboards or something. I don't, I don't know. It's um, tricky because it it's, be it's a niche event in a niche sport, for being honest. I mean, we're trying to get wrestling as big as possible, and it's good for everybody and definitely good for us. Mm-hmm. But even when you talk to college fans, they're not – you know, a lot of them are – college fans first and then wrestling fans second. So they're not going to be – they're not going to take an evening – and to go watch even the best high school wrestling event of the year or the most, you know, uh, uh, dramatic and exciting one and the most concentrated and consumable. Uh, but they're still they, they're saving their wrestling weekends for however many they get with their friends and family or whatever for actual Iowa Hawkeye matches. So yeah. the fact that, you know, it, you could get it out to the, the greater public, but it's not it's not like a movie where everyone just kind of decides, all right, let's go see Avengers or something that everybody can agree on. This is, I think this is a very been... narrow band of people that are interested. Yeah. I think there's something to it though. I I mean, the fact that, I mean, they're probably Hawkeye centric and, and, and college centric first. Um, I think if we did a little minimal advertising, we would have, but you know, for year two, we bring it back there. We we bring it back there again. I think word of mouth spreads, and I think you know. I think we easily get higher attendance there if we 
say right now or very soon that it's going to be back there because I think good things will be said about it. Um, yeah. Also, a, a couple of people made this suggestion that we should have had some Iowa people, some Iowa high schoolers on there, which, you know, it would have. It would have. I bet you if we had an Iowa, a couple Iowa guys like high schoolers in there, it would have drew better. But I don't know. And I knew that going in, and I knew that at Lehigh when we had high school kids. I just, I'm not, I'm not going to break. I'm not going to put somebody on the card just for attendance. I'm not yeah. going to do it. I, you yeah. know, I, I'm going to stick with the criteria. I'm going to stick with the criteria. You know what I mean? Um, I, listen, I would have loved to have Drake Ayala. Drake Ayala 100% is at that level. I could have easily put Drake Ayala on that card and drew a lot more fans. But once you start messing with that, once you start hand-picking, hand I mean, the credibility of the event, right? I don't want to mess with that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we were we were talking. Uh, one of the dads brought up, in the whole history of the event, there's only been one Iowa guy there, and he technically isn't an Iowa native. It's Freddie Stroker, right? Freddie mm-hmm. moved around a lot because his father was in the military. That's uh, crazy. There's only been one. Now, part of that, and Will, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, and maybe it's just the it's the way the rankings played out, but doesn't Iowa also have um, some kind of pretty strict rules about preseason events that involve um, higher caliber guys? Because I, I believe the that you know the IA Russell guys have mentioned that th- they've kind of had some some things that, some ways that they've had to go about putting on their events where they bring in high-level guys and, and something to do with travel and money and, and calling it all-star and just the fact that it's preseason. I don't know yeah, if that cool. directly affected any past two's number ones, but I'm just kind of putting it all together. No, I don't – there wasn't any – I mean, I don't recall anybody uh, from Iowa. We never, we never not had somebody from Iowa because of their state federation rules and bylaws, mm-hmm. but um, I – distinctly remember year one having to jump through a couple hoops and get everything approved by their state. Uh, what is it? I H S A A. Um, I remember having to write certain things, uh, explaining the event and, and we did have to do that. We and we had to do it for Missouri as well. But ever since then, I mean, those two States have been, have been clear, but, um, yeah, I didn't even realize Iowa was uh that was the only time and there was an Iowa kid. Um how about there was no PA kids? Is that insane? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only guy that wrestled in Pennsylvania is Bill Bartlett and he's Arizona. Yeah. He's yeah. Usually from Arizona. So back right, to, to the, the wrestling. Action. Um what was next? Voinovich? Uh well we we mentioned Figueroa over pooling was 10-0 and freestyle. My question is, real quick, is, is Richie going to get a tougher match this year? Steve-O is on the cadet world team. He, he's having a great season or, you know, had a great season before this. Who's who's getting to Richie Figueroa? Well, Joey Cruz is going to come down. Well, that's um, certainly a contender. Yeah, so, I, you know, that's 
113 is kind of crazy. Like, cr like insanely good if the guys come down and they're going to come down. Now, listen, we had two guys in who's number one, Richie Figs and Steve O'Pullen, both on the Cadet World team. And listen to Joey Cruz is going to come down to 113. And Greg D, I am told, I, actually, Steve O told me this, that Greg D is probably going to come 113 when he comes back. So that certainly so adds some depth to 113. Imagine those state finals. Yep. Well, that's um, that's a fun wrinkle. Uh, with, yeah. with Richie, so pound for pound, you moved him up to number three. Uh, you know, big board, he's number two now. I wonder if he has a better argument to be number one now. I mean. Who's that, know, Figs? Yeah. You know, I, I know. I, I talked to him afterwards. I said, Richie, we've never had a guy go 3-0 at this event. He's like, I got you, Nomad. I'll be there next year. <laughs> Whoever you want to put me up against, I'll get, I'll get you to three and zero. So, it's, it's what do you guys think about on this topic? I don't know how we can apply. I know most of our listeners are college, college listeners on FRL as opposed to high school, but um, how the rankings play out and guys sitting and everything. Does Richie deserve to be the number one pound for pound? He, he he's lost more recently than Ferrari and and Amos, but the Ferrari and Amos also don't wrestle as much as them, um, and certainly not Ferrari. But Ferrari that's based on Ferrari's been out this whole year with an injury. And I, I go to do the pound for pound rankings, and I'm like, man, it's tough not to jump these guys that are out here wrestling. But Amos it's neither one all of the time. There's neither one of their faults, right? Yeah, he wrestles all the time, but he hasn't hit. I don't know. Braxton's I guess issue because... is not um, participation. It's a lack of competition. Yeah, Braxton's issue yeah. is he's not right. able to hit the guys. I mean, he yeah. he go yeah. he goes Super Thirty Two. He goes to Ironman. He goes Powerade. He goes to Fargo Cadet Trials, Junior Trials. It is not as though he is running from anyone. He just no, hasn't hit it, a lot of top yeah, guys. Well, it's about perception too, right? Because the the fact of the matter is he can destroy the number two or number three guy and nobody's impressed because he <laughs> already has because he already has those expectations, right? It's I mean yeah. he, we already have him on this pedestal, right? So the only nobody but nobody gets impressed with anything Braxton does because he's already expected to do that. Yeah. Right. Hey, and to your point though about guys being injured or not wrestling and, and wanting to give the benefit of the doubt to the guys that are out on the streets, the guys that are taking those competitions, uh, and even if they drop one or two, to still, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm very sympathetic to that. However, I should probably remember that the NCA rankings, the pound for pound, uh, right now has Seth Gross at number one and he hasn't wrestled except for one match at the beginning of last year. So I probably can't empathize or sympathize too much i you know i think it's debatable and i i understand arguments saying either seth gross should be number one or what you just said should richie figueroa get number one because he wrestles more than aj ferrari through no fault of his own mm -hmm. um but i think pound for pound well, you, you can kind of look at it and just say like okay who who are you drafting number one who is the most dominant guy that kind of thing it's tough because if you look at the longest winning streaks um AJ, I don't, I don't remember the last time AJ lost a freestyle folk style match to guys in his age group, and I don't remember the last time. I guess the last time Braxton did was to AJ. Well, last time, last time Braxton lost would have been um, 
Akron. Cadet, uh, yeah, Cadet Trials last year. Right. Oh, he didn't lose to he didn't lose to uh, AJ though, did he? Lost to Cardenas, and then he then he beat him on the backside. But Ferrari, yeah. I imagine his last one was maybe freshman year Reno. Yeah. No, we, um, we had that article building the blue chip on both those guys uh, and kind of just went oh, yeah. through their John high Foster. school careers. Uh, yeah, John Foster wrote those up, uh, did a lot of research, got a lot of quotes, talked to the kids themselves so you could find them building a blue chip if you just put that into our search bar. And that was, I remember the AJ Ferrari, because a lot of people, because he's been inactive, you kind of forget how dominant he's been. And it's mm. since Reno, I'm almost positive. Yeah. If you go through the article, you can go through it. And you rem- and he's, the names that he's taken out are the top of the high school yeah. uh, echelon. So Yeah, that was that was Reno as a freshman. Yeah. And, and it was somebody, it was somebody really good, somebody legit. Um so yeah, well, I think I think it's a good argument um, to to have. I'm I think you got it right, but I certainly uh, can understand you know guys being behind Richie and, and putting them up. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting going in, and, and this kind of speaks to the quality of the kids that we had at who's number one. Uh, had it not been for injuries, had it not been for AJ being injured and Dustin Plot getting yeah. injured at the eleventh hour, we would have had every all fourteen pound for pound guys. In the rankings, entering who's number one, all of them would have been there. really. Yeah, I did not realize that. Yeah, nobody said no. <laughs> nobody pulled out. All the pound for pound guys would have been there had it not been for injuries. Good for them for willing, being yeah, willing on to put that ranking on the line, realizing that I high know, school man. it's about taking on new Listen, challenges and getting to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's what that's you want. That's one see. of the things. That's one of the things. I don't root for anybody. <laughs> I don't root for anybody, uh, but. The thing that Jesse Mendez went through a war, and then he went through another war, and Shane Van Ness earned it, right? Shane Shane Van Ness is amazing, by the way. But it's like, man, Jesse Jesse sort of earned it all summer, and then not only did I say Jesse defended at who's number one, I said. Jesse, go through a foreman and defend it against these savages. Yeah. And, you know, and he came up just short. Um, but I told his dad afterward, I said, listen, he might have took a loss, but all he did was elevate his status. <laughs> right. He, he took a loss and people want him more than ever. So, um, yeah, I hope people watch those and go and go back even in the loss he wrestles a fun style too i mean this is a guy that you're going to want to circle on the calendar when he's going to compete because look at the especially when he wrestles freestyle uh, he is no hesitation when he goes to those back arches and suplexes uh it's it's pretty rare for guys of his age and, and development level in the u.s when you come from everybody coming from the folk style background uh it's it's fun. So I think he acquitted himself awesomely, even in the loss. Uh, and I hope people are going to be excited to see him uh, and Jesse Mendez's career as he continues. Um, yeah, what a great group of kids they are, too. And, that whole group uh, was I guess, awesome. I guess I was going to go in match order, but let's let's just talk about that, that final match real quick. Um, and the utter... A repetition that Shane Van Ness will 
give up some points. But that dude is coming. And he said it in his press conference. I mean, not that it was uh, predictive, but he knew it. And we've seen it before. Um, he'll fall in a hole and he'll come back. He said in the press conference, I will end up breaking you. And I don't know, I don't know if he broke anybody, but he definitely uh, used his pace. That, pay, that pace was a factor, you know? Um, and I, it's like going to continue to be a thing, right? Yeah. O older <laughs> guys that uh, have put their hands on Shane, you know, when this is middle of his sophomore year are saying this, this kid's college ready in terms of pace and hand fighting and being able to, to withstand a seven minute match. And it showed that, and, right? And and all those kids, you know, Mendez and, was right there with them the whole time, right? So all these kids are, are also on that level and, and are going to be, and that, that's just, I mean, we've known this, right, for years, right? The kids, they come into college more ready now. Yeah, they come it's into high school more ready. It's cliche, um, but I couldn't believe that, that group of four at 132 were, were high school kids. <laughs> I, like Seriously, like Shane and, and Jesse, I mean, for as much as I just said you should watch Jesse Mendez every time he wrestles, you should watch every one of those four guys. Shane Van Ness, that pace, he's not going to give you a boring match no matter what happens. Never. Uh, it's those it, guys, He's going to be pushing the, it. The kids, they're so good, so young these days. It is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been around, I've been around the best high school wrestling for 25 years like i was fortunate enough to go to a school that went to the best tournaments and i remember the first who's number one just being in awe of eric guerrero i was like what is that that is because that's awesome out there what's happening right now <laughs> and and certain you know certain other high schoolers and the the, the kids these days are just i mean they're better than ever at, at that age um but Shane Van Ness, I think, we knew how good he was last year. Okay, so probably one year ago today, we did not know how good he was. And well, then we found out. Start. Yeah, well. Didn't get into the Blair yeah, lineup. He couldn't even get in the lineup, yeah. But then he goes to Super 32 and does all that work. And he backs it up in Iron Man. And he might have taken a couple of losses along the way. The no harm in losing to uh, Bo Bartlett in the final um, match of his regular season. But I think because he wasn't very active during the summer, the summer in freestyle, and the one time that he was, he went 0-1. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what the case was there. He lost to a very good— He uh, broke his tooth. He talked about it in the in his interview yeah, afterwards. He, he flashed to me his, oh, did he? his, his front tooth got knocked out. In that match with Rachi? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think because his summer was so quiet, I think we, you know, we didn't talk about him as much. We didn't probably prop him up as much until it came to time to promote <clears throat> who's number one. Um, I mean, there wasn't really any reason to talk about him because he wasn't at Fargo or anything. And uh, he didn't have that run at Akron. Um, I mean, dude, he's a junior. There are juniors flying off the boards right now. Oh, yeah. Where Both guys uncommitted. The two finals. Where is Shane Van Ness? Where is Shane? Yeah, but for, for Jesse, it's a little different because... He's got another year. Techni technically, technically, nobody can talk to him. Nobody can recruit him. He's a, he's a sophomore. But Van Ness is open season. And yeah. this dude just... This dude... Uh, 
this dude didn't work. So with all these uh, juniors flying off the board, man, where is Shane Van Ness going to go? He has to be as coveted as, as anybody right now. Yeah, for sure. Stock way up. He, he mentioned uh, he mentioned in, in his interview that, you know, I asked him, do you have a timeline, right? Because I don't think it's really fair to ask kids, especially after, you know, after they're coming off yeah, the mat, yeah. like, where are you going? But I said, what, you know, what, yeah. what's your timeline, right? Do you, do you kind of have a plan? And he mm-hmm. said he's going to take some visits right now and let the process play out. So based on that, I don't think we're going to see him commit for a little while. And especially, you know, so Iron Man's coming up in, what, two months? December right? 12th or 13th. Yeah, so a little Something over two like months. So unless he takes all five visits right now and, and really – Something no, hits, no, no, no. Then that's not going to happen. I don't expect I don't expect him to commit till spring or summer next year. Yeah, um, it's just it's just interesting. I don't know because we we always speculate. And I'll tell you what: with juniors starting to commit so early, like so so early, it, it's like we it catches us off guard. We don't even have time to. We don't even have time to think about it. We don't even have time to hear what their schools are. And the next thing you know, these juniors are are committing so early. But um, Shane Van Ness is certainly at the top of most recruiting lists, especially if you need the weight. And uh, we'll see. You know, his dad was a his dad was a stud for Rutgers. So. I think last year, Ashnall actually broke his dad's, like, win record at Rutgers. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you got to imagine they're in play. Uh, can we talk about how much more exciting the freestyle matches were. <laughs> I think that's worth Literally the every match that we've pretty much hit on outside the Figueroa one has been the freestyle matches. And in my opinion, were much more entertaining. I couldn't I, I can't argue that. that. Go ahead, Willie. I didn't realize that the freestyle matches were the most exciting ones. Um I, I mean, Kennedy and, and Kennedy Facundo was really good. Um but I think outside of that, the talk of the town was mainly the freestyle matches. That's why I didn't even put two and two together. I don't know. I've been in a fog since who's <laughs> yeah. number one. Well, well, like you um, said, you were in the tunnel for some of it. Watching at home, like Kyle and I both were, it, it, it was like a clear slowdown. Not, so not in I that went, the wrestlers were slowing or uh, not, not pushing the pace. It is just the style yes, and the rule set the that gives you – uh, a, a faster pace yeah. match, or I don't know if pace is the right word, but it's you could tell there was a shift, a downshift of gears, because there, you know the the college or, NC, or uh, folk style rules. It's more control. It's more of a grind. It's three periods. It's longer. And then yeah. Meanwhile, freestyle is out of bounds. Is not lava. Out of bounds is safe. And there's no refuge out of for is, out of bounds. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, that would do that right there is an easy one to go a long way. But that's a whole other topic yeah. of of rule changes. Um. Yeah, so I, I didn't just connect the dots. I've been sort of, as soon as who's number one was done, you know, I sort of, rela- not relaxed, but it was, you get out of there late and you say hi to some people. And and the next day I sort of, I was paranoid. Um, I was like, I got to get rankings done before Super 32. I got to get uh, preview stuff done. So I've been cranking away. I haven't gone back and listened to the interviews yet. I haven't watched... Uh, a couple of the matches even um but i got all these there was a lot of tweets i saw out there like keep everything freestyle keep everything freestyle and i didn't 
I thought it was just freestyle fans being freestyle fans and saying it's a superior style, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But I didn't connect the dots that, yeah, those were the most action-packed matches. There was, I mean, to be fair to the other side, there were people uh, that I saw uh, voicing their opinion saying it should all be folk style for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, I think a lot of, you know, pure college fans are still wary of freestyle and rather everything just be the style that they're familiar with. And then they brought up a point, which I want, I'm wondering if you could respond to, because I think we all know, but it's probably worth talking about or mentioning. They said it should all be folk style because the high school season is folk style and you're ranking these guys uh, for folk style. So why shouldn't they be competing in the, in the style that's going to be the basis of their rankings for the most part going forward? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple reasons for, I mean, one reason, one reason I think freestyle is more exciting. Um, but listen, I don't really choose anymore. I mean, right. this year, this year I was almost completely hands off. I, I there was a couple matches that I said this match has to be this. Um, but other than I mean, the majority of them, the kids chose a style. So right, and um, you want to make it as enticing I, as possible. They're not <clears throat> obligated in, under any way whatsoever to participate in the event. So you want to make it well and, uh, attractive also, for them to wrestle in. Attractive, and also for some of them, it wouldn't be wholly fair. I mean, you're gonna ask, you're gonna ask kids that trained all summer and made world teams. They they right. just wrestled at worlds, and you're gonna come back here and tell them to ride somebody out. I'm not doing that. Number one. <laughs> Number two, the majority, there's a very few, except for kids like Yabara. Um, name a guy on this car that's not going to get tested in f folk style. So it's not like there, there's, there's nobody, there's very few situations where they're one trick ponies. It's like, oh, he's mm -hmm. only good in freestyle. They're going to be tested. Most of these kids go to top folk style tournaments which are coming they're right around the corner so That's super 32 um, this weekend they're not they're not insulated in any way right it's also worth pointing out that ncaa rankings we don't consider freestyle matches because you have a self-contained season where everybody hits each other and then obviously yeah. an ncaa season or a, a ncaa championship at the end of the year which is obviously all folk style but high school has always been different you've always incorporated high school results these guys are operating in different parts of the country and they don't see each other that much, so you have to blend both styles and the results from tournaments and matches from both styles to get a full, uh, you know, set of data points with you can use to rank with. Yeah, I have a, I have a few thoughts about this because David Carr, David Carr asked me the same thing in the green room. He's like, "Hey, why aren't these guys all wrestling folk style? There's folk style rankings," and I'm like, "David, just think about it as far <laughs> as counting freestyle." You win Fargo, do you think that should not count in the rankings? And he's like, oh, yeah, of course. That should absolutely count. So he immediately got it. Good explanation, though, man. <clears throat> yeah, like it's just kind of, you know, and, and as Space said, the NCAA rankings are a wholly separate thing because also, there's one season and there's everybody does the same thing. That is not uh, remotely yeah. possible in high school. No. No, and, and, and think about what's the last major that sets the table for, for who's number one? Fargo, Fargo, Far Fargo. So they're going to arrive at their. My answer too. They're going to they're going to arrive Fargo. at their ranking. You're going to no. I got in trouble for saying Fargo. <laughs> anyway, they're going to arrive at their ranking. They're going to arrive at their ranking. Um. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. 
remember how I was doing Farjo because me and Christian just uh, it's a stupid based off a comic who says is Jesus J's. There was people at Far Fargo saying I was being racist. I was like, huh, it's Farjo. Well, how's that racist? Anyway. It's a goof. Um <laughs> well, where was I now? So guys guys have to compete. Oh yeah, they're gonna all this they're gonna arrive. They're gonna arrive at their they're gonna arrive at their ranking based on freestyle at Fargo. And then you want them to wrestle folk style? They demand to wrestle folk style. I mean doesn't yeah. make sense. I, I think um, it, I think we handle it right. I think you do it right when you let the kids decide. Beyond that, the the wrinkle this year that the higher rank guy for the most part chooses was extremely interesting because so Mendez versus Jack, it was like pr- pretty obvious. I feel to everybody that Jesse was going to choose freestyle even before it was kind of announced. And yet Ryan, Ryan Jack said that. What's up? Ryan Jack said that that's the first. That's the first freestyle match he's wrestled in his life. I believe it, but he came out and he looked really good. And <laughs> I saw him, you know, working with his brother in parterre and working in situations. And so clearly they prepared him and he took it seriously. And uh, again, he lost, but I thought it was an extremely impressive performance by Ryan Jack. Sure was. Um, and then you had, and then you had the the wrinkle of, you know, okay, so Mendez wins and he's he's the number one guy, right? So once he wins, we know that he gets to pick for the next one. If Serrano had won, they were going to pick Folk, but then Van Ness won, so they picked free, and then then uh, he loses. Um, Voinovich Vasquez, right? The the it was interesting that they went Folk because Vasquez dominated on his feet, but then Voinovich is an absolute killer on oh, top. Power halves. Uh, hurt my. Yeah, let's talk about that one. Patty chose. Let's talk about that one real quick, though. Go ahead, because we're we're running pretty pretty long. Um, and you can but, get more. Uh, who's number one? Talk tomorrow on who's number one? The show. Um. Jim well, I, you know, we got to we got to we got to figure out Super who's, Thirty Two and Super Thirty Two. Yeah. We should mention Super Thirty Two. If if we get seeds by tomorrow, I'd like to release the seeds on uh, on who's number one tomorrow for Super Thirty Two. But um, <clears throat> Voinovich and Vasquez, what to make of it? Because Vasquez was super slick on his feet, and so oh, what do you take away? I mean, who's more impressive in that match? Um, Voinovich gets the win, um, but I don't know if. But but Jesse gets the takedowns and Jesse gets turned like not easily but like on the third attempt it would look pretty dang easy so I don't know um, I don't know what to really make of that other than Voinovich is pretty darn good on top. Well, I, I thought yeah I thought the takeaway is that Voinovich is a hammer on top and not that he wasn't on the radar of college coaches but you know. It's college wrestling, right? Uh, as much as we're talking about how awesome freestyle is and, and how it was an exciting wrinkle this year, ultimately how these guys are going to get to college is folk style. And to me, Voinovich just you know put his name on it that he's one of the best top guys in the country. Yeah, yep. Um, okay, and then let's go to uh, Sonny Santiago, Travis, Master Giovanni, Sort of a low-scoring, controlled bout. Oh, let's talk about this, though, because this is what... You get a lot of stuff about this. Mastro's takedown on the edge. Number one, I I, I kind of thought it was two. Uh, I think that the referees were a little concerned with the out-of-bounds. And let me talk about the out-of-bounds, <clears throat> because I wasn't really happy about it. Um, I don't know why... I don't know why they didn't 
send black strips of mat for the side. I was really ups- I, I didn't like that. As soon as I saw the mat, I was like, not good. There's no there's no protection area, especially yeah. when the especially when the circle goes that close to to the edge. Um, mm-hmm. So I was disappointed. I, I wish we had uh, wish we had a, a, more of a protection zone. And I think I don't know if that came into the play of the call, but um, you know it wasn't our choice not to have extra mat there. Um, so that answers that. Like a. Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't our choice not to have extra protection there. And it was the same thing last year at Lehigh. And I said we needed more protection. When, uh, all we needed is a couple of black strips of mat, and then we didn't have it. And that was disappointing. Um, let's go to Echemendia Saunders, and I'm just going to say it. Echemendia, for those that don't know, Echemendia took SAT Saturday morning <laughs> before the match. Like So he got done with verbal, the verbal portion, and he started his warm-up. Um, it's a normal day, SATs and who's number one. And the plan is for Echemendia to start at 141 this year at some point for Iowa State. And I'm going to say it, when Willie's Crystal Ball, the next iteration of those rankings come out, I'm having Echemendia as an All-American because I don't care. He might get ridden. That's fine. Why take bottom? <laughs> Probably take new, neutral. We can we do ride him. As long as he doesn't get turned like a top, he's beaten a lot of people. And so uh, – I don't care. So that <laughs> makes it interesting for Iowa State's lineup. They have two. They have a All American at forty nine, and Jared Degan and Ian Parker is a, a national qualifier. Has some decent wins. He's penciled in at one forty one right now. Austin Gomez, I think, round of twelve at one thirty three. So their lightweights are already looking pretty solid. Um, so one of those guys is going to have to find a new spot. Probably Ian Parker. I wonder if they could. I wonder if they could pump up or no, because David's there, right? David's, David's if David could go sixty-five. I, I mean, guess they could, and everybody theoretically bump up. everybody up, and then Chase Straw would probably be the odd man. They out. could theoretically bump everybody up, but if I'm David, I'm like, not this year. I ain't doing it this year. Right. I'm t- I'm I'm going fifty-seven where I could win a title and letting that chaos that is sixty-five all graduate next year. Hmm. That would seem to move, and, and Dagan obviously earned a, a spot with an All-American finish last year. But that's uh, it's a good problem for Coach Dresser to have um, more yeah. more solid guys than you have spots. It's certainly not the first time that's happened on the D1 level on an elite program. Yeah, they'll cross that bridge when they get to it. But I thought uh, Echemendia's neutral game was just flat out amazing. Um, Howard over Mastro, four to two. Um, Early takedown, not a whole lot to talk about there. Um, Bartlett over Sokol, same kind of match. It was like, you know, one guy led from the start. Um, but we have to talk about Keegan O'Toole. And and I came out of the tunnel. I was, so you know, back in the tunnel. And I came out and I looked up on the big screen and the scoreboard said 8-1. And I said, what the hell's going on out here? <laughs> The heck's that's going on eight, out there? Eight one. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I mean, for all the great wrestling we saw Saturday night, I mean, Shane Van Ness and Keegan O'Toole. Keegan, O'Toole, I mean, he ha- had to be uh, just one of the most impressive guys. He was playing chess, man. I mean, his positioning, 
his body awareness, his tricks, his feel. I mean, just utterly impressive, right, guys? Yeah, hundred percent. And and Keegan, you know, he was he was really fired up at that match. I, I got to talk to Keegan a lot because you know we, we get this big van and uh, kind of ended up that Keegan was the only one that needed rides to and from the whole time. So I got to spend a lot of time with him and. Um, you know, he just he felt he had a, a very good game plan. Felt his coaches had a real good read on the stuff that that Patty was going to do, and that's kind of exactly how how it played out, right? So uh, Keegan really took this seriously and did his homework, um, and then went out and, and executed against you know a Fargo champ, right? An incredibly talented wrestler that a whole bunch of uh, Big Ten schools are after. So. Um, to to do that to a guy of Patty Gallagher's caliber, uh, caliber mm, was, Gallagher's caliber, Gallagher's caliber, uh, <laughs> extremely impressive. Yeah, the the scrambling, right? I mean, O'Toole, the the, the Askren pedigree in yeah. Wisconsin, far ankle scrambles. It was all. I mean, you can't be like a textbook scrambler. That's kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. But he put on. He he demonstrated exactly how you want to get your scrambling game up to. And a guy like Gallagher, I think, give him another year, give him some time in a in a D one room, uh, and he's not. It's it's going to be a different match, obviously. But right now, at this level, O'Toole's scrambling is probably the best in high school. Well, yeah, that's and that's His, the thing, uh, right? Like Gallagher, Gallagher now has stuff to to work on, and you know, if he doesn't improve on it, it's going to be problems going forward. But Keegan well, said in his know. interview, he said, "I'm I'm the best scrambler in the country." You know, he's like, "I I, I feel comfortable saying that at the high school level that no one can scramble with me." Be hard to yeah, argue I, that. I, I think, honestly, I think Patty made a mistake by choosing freestyle. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Keegan doesn't win if they wrestle folk style. I'm saying that I think it would be a closer match. I mean, look at the look at how Keegan scored his last exposure. Just genius. I mean, yeah. ultra impressive. And- go back, go back and watch that. His last exposure was just awesome. And then um, the last one, Patrick Kennedy over Facundo. And I, I don't know. I, I picked Kennedy to win, although I had no earthly clue, really. I mean, if Facundo won that, obviously not surprised. I think um, – were you guys surprised in the result? Yeah. I mean, I mean, not not like sh- not like shocked, but I yeah. I picked Facundo to win for a reason. I thought he was you know he was a little better, but I kind of went against my own normal thinking, which is take the offensive guy over the defensive guy, um, and it kind of played out like that, right? Kennedy was was well, much think, more uh, offensively minded than Alex. I think here's here's what's what's noticeable to me. I think Facundo is in a place right now where he's not incredibly, like, offensively diverse. I think he only really, right now, against the elite of the elite, Mm -hmm. he only has a couple real attacks. And I think what's going to happen, I think we're, we're, because if you watch, it's not just in this Kennedy match, it's back to Akron. He had some, he had some really close first periods. I mean, he had like a quarterfinal first period where it was like, one zero shot clock or something. He was down late in a earlier earlier round match. Yeah, um, he had a match where he was down late. He had a match where I don't. He might not have scored a takedown against Mastro or 
or had just one takedown in the whole match or something like that. And so he's not um, really offensively prolific right now. But I think that's like a timeline thing. I think that's an evolution thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think that Alex is going to, you know, he, he's this, he's this, he's this. He might have went like this for a second, and then he's going to go like that again. So that, that's what I see happening to Facundo, and I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be amazing, um, as we all thought he was going to be. But uh, to me, the, the main takeaway was Kennedy's finishes, Willie. Uh, like horseshoe. He so oh the God. first takedown, and and again, this kind of speaks to this kind of speaks to how good Facundo is defensively. That Pat Kennedy, who we've known he's had that ankle pick for a long time, he goes low level right on the ankle pick. Then he gets kind of mid level right, tries to shelf it. Then he goes. Then he tucks under his ankle. Goes goes high level, right, and treetops it. Yep. And mind you, we have seen Facundo multiple times with his leg mm-hmm. up in the air, treetopped on a kid's shoulder, and not only not give up the takedown. Sometimes he scores off of yeah. that. Sometimes mm-hmm. he freaking scores off of that. And then so he still can't finish. And then uh, he has to go to what, as Spay was saying, what Mike calls the the horseshoe finish, right, where you bring it down, kind of kind of sweep it. So. That to, to again get back to your point about how high level these guys are at still in the high school level. That's four different levels of finishes, four different heights yeah. on your single leg. He's running through progressions like as a quarterback. Yeah, checking down. He really did to finish your attack. Off. He really did. I mean, the fact and the fact that we saw the exact same thing play out twice is like he was literally going through a, prog- a progression. And how good is Facundo that he defends the first three? I right. mean. Right, just just really high level stuff, um, and it was it was neat to close out, um, sort of close out. Other than the the Van Ness, um, Mendez match to cl- kind of close it out with a future Hawkeye winning in in. Um, yeah, they got loud. The Harvard. crowd loved it, and then the post match interview, Kennedy all, and the bar, all the guys were saying the right things uh, about how they were pumped to wrestle and Carver Hawkeye, and and as a if you were a Hawkeye fan, that is something to be uh, looking forward to, and I'm glad they got those moments. Well, and also clear is that, um, you know, the uh, again, the, the support of the Hawkeyes, right? Alex Marinelli, when Patrick Kennedy gets to, to Iowa City, that's going to be his guy, right? And so I, I, I imagine, kind of the way I see it, uh, Kennedy's going to redshirt, and then once Marinelli goes out, he's going to be there 65. And, you know, Marinelli's going to be the Hawkeye club, and that's going to be Marinelli's guy, right? That's going to be the guy that, that he's going to progress and try to get to the next level and try to, um, you know, help turn into a national champ. So it was really cool to see their relationship and, you know, how seriously Kennedy takes being a Hawkeye and and, and being a leader and, and want, wanting to, you know, keep that program going um, towards the national title. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a big moment for, for Iowa and for – I was recruiting. I mean, to see, to see, not only a future Hawkeye do what he did, uh, but also the crowd behind him, and also you very obviously could tell he was carrying the flag for future Hawkeyes. I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was who's number one. Um, Ooh, we should. Uh, I'd like to bring up real quick, uh, and we don't have to talk about the match because it was a blow up, but the super match that we put together <laughs> last yeah. minute, and. You know, it, it famously or not famously, but you had talked about how we tried to get matches with 
current Hawkeyes with Gilman, with Spencer, and for reasons out of everyone's control, no, everybody wanted those matches to happen, and we couldn't get it done. And then last minute, coming off 80 CCs, I know it's grappling, and there was it was a blowout, so there, you know, it was Pat Downey is a world level wrestler, Nick Rodriguez. They train together at NJRTC. Uh, Nick Rodriguez is a top-level no-gi jiu-jitsu guy. I don't really know much about jiu-jitsu. Nomad's getting more into it. He's the wrestling. He's the grappling nomad now uh, for that event. He was pitching in with our um, with with our, our co-site, our, our flow grappling site. But they got together. They did a match, and it got a lot of traction in the grappling community, which I don't think a lot of wrestling fans realize is a huge thing. They operate completely professionally, so they are bringing money into their sport is the only way that it exists. There's no schools that support it, no high schools, no colleges. And you got a whole bunch of eyeballs. Can't reveal the numbers, just like Netflix is not going to reveal their numbers for every streaming thing that they have. But it got a lot of attention. It got a lot of attraction. And I think we can all agree that it is good for wrestling. It is I good mean, for, it's good for who's number yeah. one and us, obviously, the I, more people that watch. But it's cool that this big grappling community is now getting more involved with wrestling. I, try, I saw you like defending our honor on and defending defending our choice to have just the a idea match. Just, yeah i spay was going back and forth with a group of guys on a message board and i wanted to jump in but th those guys were so silly on their assertions um basically everything a couple of those guys were saying we have the numbers to say no you're not smart you're not you don't you, you on this topic you're It'll yeah, it was trying to say that, well, this does absolutely no good for anybody, and the grappling community isn't that really big anyway. Like, Well, who, okay, let's go, back to a, let's go back to ADCCs when we put, a lot of, we, we put a lot of content on wrestling for ADCCs, and some people were like, all right, enough of this. This is a wrestling site. Um, what's this doing on here? If you don't, if you don't think the cross-promotion of wrestling to grappling and grappling to wrestling and even into combat and MMA, if you don't think that that is – helpful and growing the sport um we have all the data <laughs> right we just have a we, have, we just had a good chunk of data that says people across platforms people ac across sports are digging each other um it's it's neat i don't know why to be a hater if you, yeah. if you don't particularly like jujitsu you don't you know go get a soda during that match or something but a lot of people we but that wasn't even a, it wasn't a jujitsu match. They didn't right. even wrestle. They didn't even grapple yeah. out there. They had, it was a, basically a freestyle match. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I'm not. You I'm not going to sit cool. and watch jujitsu myself. But the fact that you know something big like that, the fact that Daniel Cormier fights in the MMA and is one of the biggest stars in UFC is good for wrestling because he elevates the profile of the sport to a huge level. Right. I mean. Daniel Cormier, I was looking for a picture for for the rankings. Uh, no, I was looking for a picture for the Super 32 lightweight preview because I use Maximo Renteria. And so I went on Tony Rotundo's site and was looking for a picture of Maximo Renteria. And I'm going through the pictures, and there's Daniel Cormier, the biggest star in UFC, the uh, double, you know, multiple-time world belt holder. There's Daniel Cormier coaching in the California high school state finals. Yeah, love I it. mean, love to see that's it. cool stuff, you know? Um, but what, well, another thing that was cool about it is I promise you most of those fans in attendance, they don't know. They don't know. They don't know who Nikki Rodriguez is, uh, but they were oohing and on, 
Right? Yeah. They got into it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, they're both beasts. I mean, you know, you put 30, 40 pounds on Pat Downey, who's already this huge guy, then you you got another monster on your hands, and they put on yeah. a show, and they did it. You know, I was assuming it would be something like that. You know, Downey's not going to try to disappoint when he gets a chance to wrestle Carver Hawkeye, finally. Um, so it was just fun, and it's, it's almost like you have a weird axe to grind if you're trying to say that, well, I don't like that there's nothing out there. So I had to get on my soapbox a little bit and say, of course it's a positive. Of course it's well, not a negative. Also, they want to say that no one cares about grappling. Well, Full Wrestling has over a million followers on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and grappling has more than us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like the, those interna- are the numbers we can reveal. It's an international audience because of Brazil and all the other countries that are, are super involved with jiu-jitsu. Australia, ours Europe. Is more uh, an American fan base. Uh, I'm hoping that, uh, yes. you know, Bo Nickel said something about ADCCs, and I I think it's extremely interesting. I, I would like to see whether it's Bo Nickel or somebody else go into other mixed martial arts areas and see how they do. I mean, I think it's, I'm not the biggest jujitsu fan in the world. I respect it. I like it. I watch it. Uh, I would choose wrestling over it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But I also would love to see our wrestlers compete in other styles. And, and every time um, every time one of uh, our wrestlers compete in MMA, I'm, I'm dialed in. So um, I think it's also, certainly compelling and certainly growing the sport. Uh, Jaden Cox posted like uh, a rule set he thinks that could be good for when we have wrestlers go against uh, jiu-jitsu guys. That would be fair to both. And then Jason Nolf just posted a clip yesterday of him at a jiu-jitsu practice doing, like, a flying triangle. Yeah. So really? these guys are clearly, like, interested in it and it, it's, wanting to, like, cross-promote. Yeah. If you Once you see – I mean, that's all you need to know. You see the wrestlers themselves, the competitors, the highest elite, the most popular wrestlers in America are saying, here's another avenue for me to apply my trade to perhaps make some money, which would be nice for them. And and raise their profile, just like the grappling guys. You know, Nick Rodriguez knew that he was going to get more eyeballs on him if he did this match. Just like, you know, Bo Nickel knows if he goes to ADCCs, that's a way to raise his profile. There's no – we're not looking at a downside here. Yeah. So. Um, I, well, and, and I'll tell you this, too. Embrace it because it ain't going to stop. <laughs> this is – if you think – if you don't like the cross-promotion, if you don't like grappling – Infiltrating into wrestling and wrestling infiltrating into grappling. Do some soul searching. Like, yeah, you're it's gonna a, have to suck. It's the same thing that happened when MMA when guys started crossing over and everybody said it's bad yeah. for wrestling because they're, you know, not focusing on wrestling the whole time. And you have to you have to have a broader mind and you have to be you have to listen to the athletes. They're the ones that are that are pushing these these things. Why these not try it? Yeah. yeah, like why not? It it's not going to hurt anything. No. Yeah, and I think it's uh, for like a Bo Nickel, Jason Nolf, uh, Jaden Cox's route, like was obviously following it pretty well, and and others. Uh, there's probably a laundry list of top, David Taylor uh, was tweeting about it. Top yeah. wrestlers that were, listen, they've been doing this thing since they were five, and they are all very cerebral. I mean, think about the guys that we're talking about. They're they're all very cerebral wrestlers. Do you not think it's utterly tantalizing to them to play around with other techniques, to play around with another art form? I mean, they probably 
you know, wrestling is a very pressure-packed sport. Do or die. Win. Compete. Bang. And, and now there's a little of this grappling going around, and they say, hey, you know, it'd, it'd be neat to play around. No pressure. Just enjoy something. Just have fun. Just learn. I mean, that's probably another reason why they're embracing it. Yeah, it's a total different pace. I mean, the rules obviously dictate how you're going to compete, but you can see if you're a high-level wrestler and you see how the grappling matches are going, these high-level grapplings, you could probably see the gears turn hey, in their heads and go, oh, maybe I can learn something from here. Somebody I, somebody needs to start like a Nomad's Gi uh, Twitter account because <laughs> Nomad – so so – when we were in Kazakhstan, we knew that the ADCs were coming up. And when we had downtime, me and Nomad were talking a little bit about grappling and the prior uh, IBJJF Worlds and ADCC champions, and we're talking about it. And Nomad's getting hyped for it. So we come home, and the next weekend we start watching ADCCs. And it's like it's probably the first live match that Nomad has ever seen in grappling. Mm-hmm. And he's and and we're we're chatting back and forth online, and watching this stuff. And he goes, "Hey, I ain't saying, I ain't I ain't saying, but I'm saying I was pretty good in those situations. So <laughs> we oh might see God. Nomad make his world debut in jujitsu. 2021 ADCC champ, baby. All right, all right. Good luck. Good luck with that. Thanks, um, babe. Appreciate the well wishes. I will be watching anytime you compete in anything, my friend. Uh, that was who's so, number one. That was a nice yep. rundown. Any other final thoughts? Um, we have rounded the hour mark already. Yeah, I think um, tomorrow watch for who's number or, or go to who's number one. We're going to be talking a lot about Super 32. Uh, I've been begging them for the seeds. I'd like to do a seed release if possible. Weight changes closed last night, so um, – everything's set there i think the seeds should be able to be done by tonight and and then we can get them and it would be cool to have a show like that um if not we'll just talk generally about super 32 but um why don't we go to some cues from f's andrew spay let's do some cues from f's um super 32 and then we're going to be counting down to the ncaa season so get ready for those topics coming back on frl in the future um so one question that came up from Pops Redfoot uh, ask any American award any American awards as cool as the cape and hat that Gilman won. Gilman went out ahead in like a vanguard <laughs> before the rest of the team that Eric Guerrero brought with a bunch of other uh, competitors and coaches to Dagestan to compete in the Continental Cup. There was another one. I don't even know that like Yusef uh, Abdul Abdul Salamov Abdul Salamov. <laughs> uh, never heard of that one before, and I try to keep up with with Dagestani tournaments, but Gilman went out there on his own, uh, was the only American in that. He won, um, and Pops points out, I think Tbilisi used to give out something similar to the uh, OW. They did. If you go to the um, Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, the one in Stillwater, they have the capes. They're these big, they're like pelts. They're like big furry mats with a hole cut in for your head, and I know Dan Gable won it, and you also get a choice of either like a hat or a sword. I think Dan Gable got the sword. Uh, Dave Schultz won it, and I think Kenny Monday won one of the last Tbilisi 
OWs. Tbilisi is the capital of Georgia, and they used to have the toughest wrestling tournament outside of the world. Some would say tougher because back then the Soviet Union had all the ex-Soviet countries obviously in one, and there was not any movement. There was not, if you get blocked in the Soviet Union, you're emigrating or you're changing federations. They did not allow that. You did not have that option. So you literally had what used to be just one Soviet wrestler to go through at World's Olympics. Now you have 10 or 20 or however many. So that was the premier wrestling event in the 80s and the Cold War and all through that. Uh, and Gilman won, and they gave him something similar. So what's what are some other cool... There are two college opens yes. that give out incredible awards. Let's hear them. One, the, the Edinburgh Open, you get a sword. Swords are... Uh, Always A plus. How do you get awards. through uh, security? TSA. I don't know. I don't know. Ship it. You gotta. You gotta wrap that <laughs> up and, and send it through but UPS. You get a sword, uh, and Swords. then the clarion open. You get like a warrior helmet. All right. Yeah. So someone needs to offer a shield, and then someone needs so to win, win all three, and then say, literally just go into battle yeah. and start ripping people up. Yeah. So you got Edinburgh. You got Edinburgh clarion, and then Bloomsburg should come out one. With one where you get a battle shield, and then yeah. you win. You if you sweep PA, yeah, uh, then you go fight with the uh, with the with the three hundred. <laughs> yeah, then you then you um, fight for Sparta. It's really funny looking at Twitter at the former Clarion Open champions fresh off the mat and still in their singlets with his battle helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. Good. Good pull there, KB. Uh, I agree. I can't think of anything else. I know Journeyman hands out those cool-looking hammers. Mm, they just hammers had, are uh, cool. Yep. Their, um, Some tournaments in Russia, they give you cars. Oh, yeah. You get Ladas, which are like the old Soviet Yugos. You uh, um, hey, producer Caleb Blakeman just said, you can take your sword in a check bag, according to what? TSA Instagram. He just slacked me that. So, I'll uh, tell you what. If somebody... What? Somebody gets on my plane with a great sword. <laughs> well, it's good to know that our producer uh, can travel, knows how you can travel with swords. That he is a how swordsman. Is- <laughs> Caleb, you took a, a you took a great sword on an airplane. He's Come saying on. he looked it up or something, but what? Oh, he's okay. No, he didn't. He didn't take it. He didn't himself take. He himself admitted himself that he did not take a sword through. Customs. Listen, Blakeman won the Edinburgh Open last year, and then he brought the sword back on the plane to Austin. I would not mess with Caleb. Caleb would chop <laughs> us all into pieces happened? if he wanted to. <sighs> all right. So, good question. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity now for. Oh, uh, Doc Buchanan gives a cowboy hat. That's very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good it, one. It is cool, and they yeah. all wear them too on the podium. It's pretty neat. Yeah, I like that. So, uh, yeah, taking a page from Tbilisi and and. Uh, Abdul Salamov, Salamov. Sorry. Anyway, good, good thing. Uh, good idea to make it fun to win these tournaments. Um, Dar of Emor asks, "Can you list all the pins at who's number one?" We actually did that I yes, think, I yesterday, uh, and he can only think of Voinovich, uh this year and uh, Sasso in 2017. Also, uh, Trent Hadley pinned Julian Ramirez. That one was. Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna call it a fake pin. Um, yeah, but. There was a takedown, and he got taken down to his back, and Julian kind of was like, "Damn it!" We were, uh, we were. It was overtime, that match. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. We were talking about that match the other day in the office, and Spade's like, "Yeah, I would have quit too." <laughs> <laughs> Notorious quitter over here, guilty as charged. Well, why not? The match is over. The match is over. It doesn't, you know, it's for the who's number one. If you're not going to so, be number one, uh, that, that's it. You're on 
to number two. I mean, here's what I would do. I mean, it's actually a it's a it's a long con because I think what <laughs> Julian will do is say he had Trent right where he wanted him and he got caught. In like 30 years, he'd be like, yeah, I wrestled and he was number one. I lost, but I was going to win, but I got caught. Yeah, war stories. Fall. It'll totally change. Um, yeah, but that's it. So not a lot of pins. So Julian, that's impressive. Uh, Julian was was defending Van Ness. There, there were some people that were upset with um, the stop sign and, and the American flag. And uh, was, um, I thought it was great. Yeah, well, I mean – it's who's number one, right? Like the, the kids can can do whatever they want, and it's but, explained but, in the interview. So if you want, but Julian to, well, was like, Julian was like, he, he was, you know, in the in the Instagram comments, he's like, dude, I had a guy eat a hoagie in my face. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like I, if anyone has the right to talk about this, I do. Well, what's so, wrong like, with if, the American flag? Well, I mean, it was it was it was because Mendez was the world team member. That's where it comes from. Hey, uh, will it? What if? There's nothing wrong. It was just kind of like you're using props. It's yeah. some people old school or whatever. It says get off my lawn. Yeah, get your hand raised and and calmly walk off the mat as if the Damn match did kids. not matter. The the only people yeah. the, the only people in my opinion that have anything to say about it are Jesse and Dom. Like if they're upset about it, that's that's fine because they're you know they're I actually in the match. Cool. It yeah. I think. What everything about it, you know, as within bounds, within reason, maybe a yeah. prop is okay. Have fun with it. Props are great. Thing. More props next year. Props to props. We can all agree. Mad props. <laughs> all right. Another question from Regan Wright, Coach Wright BV. Uh, <clears throat> Jesse was the most common name on the Who's Number One belt card. Yes. Should I name my kid Jesse to ensure wrestling prowess, or is the next power name what? Or what is the next power name in wrestling? Also, uh, BT Dubs Willie Gravy is not Keto. There is a thickener involved, and it is all carbs. So any gravy you add to your diet is going to ruin wow, your keto. Wow, you're a fraud. Because of the thickeners. You you're always sleep on fraud. the thickeners. How many times have I told you <laughs> to watch out for those gravy thickeners? Hey, I've been, I've been very, very uh, strict with my diet. But I also don't Except have, for the gravy. For, well, I, I didn't look up the nutritional information of gravy. gravy. Before, then they're not being very before, strict. Before I ate it, well, I don't know. Right, I don't. But I mean, let's get back I to that. Carbs since two thousand six. All right, but let's get let's get to the names here. What what's the power name? Jesse clearly did well. Ibarra, Mendez, 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 Ibarra, uh, and Vasquez were on the card. I don't right? know. We'd have to. You'd have to go look at like the 2022 big board and see what the most common name is. And look, yeah, through, I don't know. Yeah, I think we're gonna see more always, of like the the Braxton style and the Jaden is pretty big of all the various spellings. Mm-hmm. I mean, Missouri mm-hmm. had Jaden J apostrophe D E N and J A Y D I N, which are both Jaden Gomez. Yeah. All right. Yeah, a lot of Jaden. <laughs> all right, so J- maybe it's Jaden or Jesse. Anything with a J, really? Yeah, big J, big on J names. Big J. All right, here's the interesting Hold one. On, eight, yeah, back to the previous question. Oh, okay. Shop is saying Cleveland State has a shield. Ooh, good call, okay. AJ what? Shop. Yeah. There so, you go. Savage. EWL. Yeah. The former EWL schools are straight savages. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Why am I not there surprised can't... that AJ knows this? Somebody needs to give out like a crossbow. He probably want it. A chain armor, can... chain mail. Who gives out chain mail? Some savage needs to sweep them tournaments and then invade Troy. <laughs> <laughs> and then launch a thousand ships. Uh, yeah, go on a conquering spree. All right, cool. Well, thanks for AJ Shop. Anybody else with some uh, good pulls, uh, let us know. Uh, now we got Austin Denson who says. Oh, there, there is a. Yeah. There is one in there is one in Dagestan where if you win you get an AK forty seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jeez. a machete or two. Uh, Austin Denson, considering you're probably the most traveled wrestling fans on the planet. Maybe I think I think some actual competitors and whatnot still have speed. What state has the highest wrestling IQ per common citizen? So if you just grab a rando off the street. Where are you going to get the most wrestling knowledge if you sample? You know, I don't 100. know about wrestling IQ, but I know in Iowa I have had the most random conversations with people that clearly are not like Flow Wrestling subscribers or super into wrestling that just just generally have a knowledge of re- like the existence of wrestling, like Dan Gable's name that Iowa's good. So, I got off the plane in know. Iowa, and I went to the en- Enterprise counter. Well, I'm walking past the counters, and I walk past the Hertz counter to go to the Enterprise counter. And the guy behind the Hertz is like Willie Sailor, Flow Wrestling, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's your whole resume, uh, like typed out. <laughs> I think I was good. I think Cali people are good. I think, I think PA. They're they're, PA for high school. Yeah. Those guys know a lot and like remember state champs and how the bracket played out in mm-hmm. 2004 and stuff like that. Um, and I think Jersey's really good too. Yeah, Brad Key, any thoughts? Uh, no, I think you guys hit all of them that are yeah. really good. I will say that Iowans, in my experience, it doesn't matter where you meet them or whatever. If you just bump into an Iowan, uh, mm-hmm. they will. They have a higher percentage shot of being able to converse about wrestling with you yeah always be like oh yeah my friend my relative or somebody yeah. was on a team or uh you know i used to cheerlead and we were at the games ever you know at the match uh, the, the duels every every week or um you know anything like yeah, that it, it touches a lot of people now. right but then you get those pockets a- those hotbeds pennsylvania new jersey you'll find areas where it, it, it's extremely important to that community there was one time me and Sako, uh, Brock Height, I'm pretty sure it was Brock Height, we were uh, at NHSCA's or NHSCA duels, and and this guy came in, and he was um, he was pro- he was pretty loosey goosey. He was like, you know, what's up, fellas? What's going on? <laughs> you know, and, but he was like he was like a seafood provider to this restaurant, and he was bringing in. He's like, what's up? He was talking to the guys. Like, I got like five boxes of clams for you and this and that and right and uh he was like what's y'all fellas doing here and uh me and brock were like you know we're here for a wrestling tournament he's like ah that's cool that's cool he's like i was uh i wrestled i wrestled in high school we're like yeah you know what'd you do where at and he's like he said some school in pa and he's like uh yeah i made the state finals and me and brock looked at each other and we're like nope no we did this guy's lying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and because, you know, me and especially Brock, Brock knows everything about PA high school wrestling. And so this guy, 
gave us a line for a while and he told, told us about this and that and who he lost to and and i forget who it was but we clearly recognized the name of the guy that he lost to it was like some legend and that even that even still fuel, fueled our fire to the he's lying he just said a big name and uh, after he left we went back and looked it up and sure enough this dude was a state runner-up <laughs> like you a little know, face we find, we find ex-wrestlers everywhere <laughs> there it's participation wise it's still uh higher up there than i think most people realize as far as high school sports uh got a good question we got time for one or two more from uh coach jason cook coach jason cook one says the caspian sea is the commonality between a plurality of men's freestyle world medalists uh what's in the water and so shameless plug if you go look at the heat maps i last did for the world championships You'll see a huge number of Dagestanis, and then you'll see, which is borders um, the Caspian Sea, Azerbaijan, Baku, their capital's right on the Caspian Sea. And the Iranians, they were three medalists from Iran, from Mazandaran, which is the southern shores of the Caspian Sea. Yeah, the right, even, the, even the, within the specific countries, right? You say, okay, R- Russia's good at wrestling, Iran's good at wrestling. Even the areas within those countries are the ones that uh, the best the best areas are the ones that touch the Caspian Sea, and then Turkey is Caspian adjacent. They're more Black Sea, I right? Think, is I'm jam. saying I'm saying they're, they're yes, next to a country that touches the Caspian Sea. That hotbed of you go from and even Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, they had some medalists. So mm-hmm. if you go from there and then you just kind of pan over like to the from Central Asia to the Middle East, and then you know the the Caucasus Mountains. They, on one side is the Caspian Sea, on the other side is the Black Sea. They are silly with international wrestling. And then, yes, Turkey um, is on the other side of that uh, mountain range. But Caspian Sea... Smart stuff. Yeah, my only thing would be Caspian Sea is, is big there, but don't discount for, like, Ossetians, North and South Ossetians, Georgia, which only borders the Black Sea and not Caspian. So don't sell the other side of the Caucasus Mountains short, but... Yeah, if you want to, you know, if if traveling those parts of the world weren't fraught with so many other difficulties for whatever reasons, uh, that would be your international wrestling vacation trip is up, up and down the Caspian. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys have any other thoughts of international wrestling and where to go see it. No, I just I'm, I'm glad uh, Coach Jason Cook noticed that because I think you and I had a conversation about it maybe earlier this year about just how Caspian Sea area kicks ass in wrestling. I agree, it rocks. Uh, as Willie said, who's number one on the show tomorrow? Um, uh, I don't even think we've run this, but there's been a really good reaction to it. Uh, Bader did Bader did an interview and, and another thing uh, with this guy who, who's been around Iowa program for a long time. The video is called Who's Big Jim Kelly? And I just recommend everybody goes and checks that out. Mm. Maybe we'll have to put that on the front page of www.flowwrestling.org in the near future. I imagine we will at some point. Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen. Um, oh, All right, uh, boys. Tri- trivia question answer. Uh, Lane Van Anroy uh, was number two at the time, was the last guy to beat A.J. Ferrari at Reno finals. Is that Reno? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I think that'll do it for episode 413. Unless anybody has any final thoughts. Uh, 413 shouts to Western Massachusetts. Uh, Williams College is the only program I know in that area code. But if there's any others out there, sorry I didn't think of them. And... 
Good show. Thanks for Christian Piles, who yeah, should boy. be back. No, no, don't thank Christian Piles. He was, he wasn't he did here. Nothing. We don't, yeah, he, we, he doesn't get any credit for this show. Well, you didn't let me sit, finish. I said thanks for nothing. That's all the time we got this week or this day. We'll is see you Thursday. Is he going to be back Thursday? He should Wait, be back. Is he going to be back? I all think right. so. See you Thursday, CP. Bye bye.